Chase, can, Darren, you, hello. can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Yeah, I can hear you now. Great. Am I getting you from South Carolina? You are. I'm in the heart of Charleston. Beautiful city to say the least. And really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to do this. I know the theme is about having compatible diets and all that. The term that I'm hearing, flexitarian, I've heard blenditarian. Do you use both or one more mm. than the other? I haven't used blenditarian, but I like it. So I'm going to start throwing it around there. I appreciate you bringing that to the table. How long was it, is it that you've had to kind of accompany vegan diet kind of plans into what you do? Sure. Um, I think I've been a, sort of incorporating it for um, a little over a year now. I mean, I've always kind of had a sensitive stomach and just continued to eat, you know, like a 14-year-old kid who had the metabolism <laughs> that never ended. Yeah. Um, but I, I really realized that I wanted to change the ways in my, my eating habits. And um, I noticed as I was starting to incorporate a plant-based diet into my life, my energy levels were increasing. Um, and so I've just enjoyed it. I've enjoyed sort of, you know, going all different levels of the spectrum and, you know, still eating meat in some circumstances. And um, growing up on the East Coast, I'm originally from Maryland and living in Florida for the most of my life. Uh, seafood has always been, you know, a major component of my diet, but, um, I just really like the way that, you know, a plant-based diet works with my stomach and, you know, with sweet earth and this partnership, uh, you know, shooting as much as I've been shooting the last year and a half, two years, uh, having, you know, high quality food at the ready has been, you know, the biggest blessing for me. So, um, it's just been an awesome partnership to be able to use these products and, and actually enjoy them and be able to have them, you know, constantly available for me. So uh, they just released a couple new products. You know, they have the mindful chicken, which is obviously one of their staple pieces that mm-hmm. I use all the, all the time. Um, but you know, they have the veggie lovers pizza, which spices it up a little bit, the pad Thai bowl. And um, I've literally been sucking these things down. This is the curry tiger burrito. And um, you know, just so easy to, to do. And it just works with my schedule so well. I even bring them to work with me every now and again, and just um, have them readily available. You just answered my next three questions, which were uh, including Whoa. what is your favorite of the Sweet Earth products? But I think you, yeah. <laughs> you showed the diversity that they have there between pad yeah. pie, pizza, burritos, and all that. Do you remember the first Sweet Earth product you ever tried? Yeah, it was it was actually the Mindful Chicken. Um, I uh, I'm prior to kind of diving into you know predominantly a plant based diet. I always incorporated chicken into my diet and I was super hesitant about what a plant-based chicken was going to taste like. Um, and so that was the first thing I wanted to try. I was like, okay, let's see how this adds up. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, the texture, the flavor, they did such a great job of making it taste and feel and seem like you're eating, you know, a traditional, you know, piece of chicken. So, um, that was something that as soon as I tried that, I was like, okay, I can get on board with this company. And that's sort of where the partnership I think really started to take shape. Um, is because I, I actually believe in the product. It's not, you know, a gimmick. It's not something that, you know, I'm just doing to say, I, I actually really, really love these products and I use them on a day-to-day basis. If I've done my research correctly, this is your first proper endorsement, which is kind of a big deal and says a lot. 
It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's exciting, you know, to kind of jump into this world of, um, you know, working with major companies and doing it in a space that um, is about healthy living. And I think, you know, with my job and being as active as I am, and my dad has been in the fitness industry for 25, almost 30 years now, um, it's been a passion of mine is to get into the health and wellness space and, and healthy living. So for me, it just was a, a really organic fit. And, you know, to be able to work with a company that really puts out a high quality product was important to me. Aside from Sweet Earth, something I have no idea about. When you're named Chase, is there a nickname that you have growing up? No. So I've always been Chase. I mean, I have two other names. I'm James Alexander Chase. Um, so those are both my great grandfathers on my mom and my dad's side. And so for whatever reason, I just adopted Chase and I've never been called anything else. And um, except for in school, you know, teachers would go through the roll call and call me James and I would be that stray puppy in the back who wouldn't answer because I've never been called James. So um, yeah, that was kind of always what I went by and, and always have. You were never JC or any kind of a variation of that? Nothing. Yeah. No, I got the James Alexander Chase a couple times for my mom when I was, you know, doing something I shouldn't have been. But um, yeah, I've, I've never been called anything but Chase. And you are always working by the looks of your IMDb page. You just can't pick one show and stick with it for better or for worse there. But when you're not busy with that, or fitness in general, music, mm -hmm. what do you like to do? Oh, man, I'm an outdoor guy. I mean, I literally just bought a new surfboard four days ago. Um, so love to be outdoors. Um, I have a puppy now, which has been the biggest um, learning curve of taking on a, a dog that when I got was seven pounds and now he's 58 pounds. Um, so I am constantly taking him places. I mean, we go to the beach all the time here in Charleston. Um, it's the time of year where I would love to go snowboarding. We did a big trip in Mammoth last year with a bunch of the cast. Um, and Maddie got me an icon pass, which is awesome. So you can go basically to any of the peaks on the West coast. And I think there's even places in Europe you can go. Um, so doing stuff like that. Uh, I have so many great friends in the industry, so constantly being creative, creating our own, our own content. Um, but when I'm not working, I love to sort of separate myself from the industry and take a step back and, and live a normal life and go outside and be around family and enjoy friends and have a beer and sit down and just, you know, live life a little bit. But that time is few and far in between. So, you know, really, really learning to appreciate it now. Well, two quick questions, and then you're free. And the first one is, do you have a TV okay. recommendation that you can pass along for anyone who needs a new show? And it can be one of the ones that you're on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Before we dive into that, I do want to quickly mention the, um, the Sweet Earth event that's coming up with uh, Demona Hoffman. Um, so that is coming up. That's Wednesday, um, February 10th at 6 p.m. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's going to be an awesome event, sort of talking about Valentine's Day giving the fans an opportunity, whether it's fans of Outer Banks, uh, Tell Me Your Secrets, which we can talk about in a second, um, to sort of get in and kind of talk about, you know, the vegan, vegetarian lifestyle. Um, and again, that'll be February 10th, 6 p.m. Um, and that'll be on I'mAVeggieLover.com. Um, so we can transition from that back into projects to watch. So I did a show right before Outer Banks uh, called Tell Me Your Secrets. And um, it's an incredible cast. It's penned by Harriet Warner. Uh, made up stories who did uh, Big Little Lies and The Undoing, which I think everybody and their mother watched. Um, <laughs> they did this project. So it comes out February 19th. It's sort of a murderous roller coaster of events. And uh, it's a, you know, a really great female lead led cast 
And uh, I think it might be the next bingeable thing. And that's a fully unbiased, um, you know, sort of perception on it. And you play Adam in that show. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And the I do. Yeah, I have a, a fun little arc. And it was just, you know, I got to work with some great people. And, um, you know, anytime I get to share the screen with, you know, some very established actors, I'm just incredibly thankful. So I got to, you know, take a peek in their world. And um, you guys will have to wait and see what Adam gets himself into. And uh, it's a fun ride. Mission accomplished there. And my closing question is, any last words mm -hmm. for the kids? What's that? Any last words for the kids? And it could be as simple as check out my Instagram or it can actually be advice. Your call, man. Get off social media for a little bit. Take your phone away, put it down, get outside. Um, check on yourself, check in on your family members and uh, spread more love. Thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to everything that's coming up in the near future. And thanks to the Sweet Earth team for making this happen. Absolutely. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks. Take care. I first saw you like everybody with I just want my pants back. Oh, nice. And so I've been watching you a long time now, but this new movie is a, definitely a sign of the times. When did you make it? We, the um, first, uh, the principal shoot was in 2018 and we did do a couple pickup days uh, in 2019. Though, yeah, I mean, the reality that it depicts feels closer to the one we're currently engaging in than even 2018. Although, you know. For sure. And, yeah. and somebody who thinks a little too much about the films that they're making, how does it work in terms of when you're looking at a laptop on camera and what we see in the film? Like, what do you actually see? Is it just a blank screen and you're that great of an actor? No, no, no. I would not have been as very good at all if it was just a blank screen. They, ben, the way he designed that, um, the cam to client uh, chat was really just using, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. He maybe, maybe we use Skype and he just framed out the Skype logo. But Julia was in uh, the room that she's camming from, her Dom dungeon room was, <laughs> was in the apartment that Jack's apartment was and that apartment was Ben and Nikki's apartment and Ben's the director Nikki is Ben's partner and they uh they Nikki's also in the film so we were all actually we were in the same place talking computer to computer um yeah no it would have been impossible I think to with a movie so much about people who are developing a rapport over uh chat if, to do it later in post, I, I think the performances would have suffered greatly. And I don't think Ben was even interested in making the movie that way. Yet another movie that's New York centric for you. Did you fully grow up in New York or did you move to New York at a certain point? No, I was born in the West Village. And then when I was four, uh, moved to uh, the suburbs, but Upper Upper West Side, which is just the suburbs compared to the, to the <laughs> village. But um, yeah, I've always been here. I, I LA is a second home, but but I'm a I'm a native New Yorker. Yeah, people going through your filmography will see that you got to be in the movie CBGB, which is the quintessential New York concert venue for people who grew up here. And you got to play Legs McNeil in that movie. Did you ever meet Legs as part of your research? I feel like I met him, but I didn't. And the reason why I feel like I met him is I met David Holmstrom, who was his part who was the co other creator, the, I think it was L David, who was the, the comic artist behind Punk Magazine. Legs was just sort of like 
a personality and template for the punk identity. And then Mary Heron, who was also a punk and then went on to, of course, direct American Psycho and other films, they were the trio behind Punk Magazine. And I didn't meet Mary, although I did actually meet her in an audition for a movie that's not out yet. And I may have mentioned that I played Legs, but I definitely spent time with David. And then at the premiere, I met, I met the woman that Legs, I'm blanking on her name now, uh, please fill it in, who wrote, please kill me with Legs. So I oh, didn't meet Legs, but I'm, Jillian, yes. Yeah. But I met all these folks that are adjacent to Legs and I watched a bunch of Legs on YouTube. And so, you know, I, I feel like I met him but I didn't. Well, that leads me back into private chat for a second there. Are you the kind of actor that does a ton of research when you've got a role? Because uh, this kind of role, hey, did you go in a bunch of webcam sites? <laughs> you know, that's mm -hmm. a weird thing to ask, but I'm sure you have to do a little bit of research. Yeah, I mean, the answer is, in terms of am I the kind of actor? Yes and no. It, it, it always is... Uh, um, dependent on what I think the part dictates. I had totally seen cam girl websites before playing this part. I mean, I, it would be ridiculous to not admit that. So I was familiar with that. Um, and then the other end of the research, a lot of it came on set where Ben was like a gambling tutor to me and would do, even though I'm somewhat challenged when it comes to, I think really what it would take to be a good gambler, like, counting and numbers and it's not really my strong my strong suit but I I did I do feel like we did some on like uh on the on the job research but you know emotionally uh, the research often boils down to unless you're playing like a historical figure who everyone knows and you have to get some sort of you, the accent and gate down perfectly so people like think yep you're president you're playing lincoln right now you know right. a lot of the research is more unconscious and subtle and just uh it's about letting the character sort of enter you via osmosis reading the script uh thinking about the scenes dreaming about the scenes but the real work the thing that makes you know i think any actor that doesn't admit this is lying you, you, you can do as you could do a, any amount of work before the shoot but if if the but the real the character is really boarded with the other actors on set and with the director because that that is where acting is you know it could be even a philosophical discussion are we ourselves like alone in our we are but like our personalities really come out in the context of interaction so that's really where you hope to sort of feel that oh yes my personal work whatever it was actually is resulting in something because now in the presence of say julia playing scarlet yeah. or buddy you feel suddenly that you're you are inhabiting this person who isn't exactly you wow that was deeper than i expected peter you're a deep guy <laughs> about the internet gambling part you know i've actually met a lot of actors who when times are slow they supplemented their income with blackjack or poker because they were able to put on a face and not show that they were mentally counting cards to the dealers <laughs> so i wouldn't have been surprised if you went well i may have been in a casino or three in my off time 
No, I really, my gambling experiences began with this movie and I found them really fun, but it's, it's, I, I, I do maybe have a slight, you know, I don't think I'm immune to addiction, so I'm definitely avoiding gambling and I'm not actually good enough. Ben kind of is a pretty good gambler. I think he can, he has found a way to sort of not lose. Um, for me, it's basically all, all luck. <laughs> well, you brought up before that you may have met Mary on an upcoming audition. If I look at your IMDb page, there's a few films that are in post-production. Anything that you could talk about quickly that, hey, it's coming up and keep an eye out for it besides private chat? Well, I'm currently in the HBO Max show called Love Life starring Anna Kendrick, which is available to watch. Um, I recently wrapped a horror film, but the title is not is in flux. So it feels uh, to, to even mention the title, it, it might be misleading, but it's uh, sort of a reverse gender Rosemary's Baby. That's all I'll say. And it was really fun. Um, apart from that, no, I did a French short film and then, uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll see what comes next. Maybe someone reading this will have a role for me and then, then, <laughs> then, then this will do double duty. Well, that's different than the response I usually get because you have more than what's showing an IMDb. A lot of people, they, they'll put like, yeah, I auditioned for this on IMDb oh, before it happened, so not you. And yeah. My last two questions. First one, it's going to be a different answer for you because you're somebody that's in a lot of TV and film projects, but do you have a TV recommendation that you could pass along for someone who needs a new show? Well... I don't watch a lot of television, so no. Um, my parents are really into a show called uh, "Call." What's that show called? "Call Your Agent" or something? Oh yeah, call my. Agent. Call my agent is a parent is, is my parents that if, if tell your readers that that Peter's parents Ron and Jane recommend "Call Your Agent." They say it's great. That was off my radar, so uh, that's going on on the list here. Thanks, Peter's parents and. Cool. The closer, Peter, any last words for the kids? <laughs> Don't watch this movie until you're older. <laughs> um, but also follow your dreams and uh, work hard and develop a sense of humor and read books. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really look forward to what's coming next from you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take Appreciate care. Now. You too. Outrocast. Darren. Hey, how's it going there, Patrick? Hey, brother. Right on time. Uh, punctuality is not always the thing front man, but I guess you defy all logic, right? <laughs> um, I guess I do, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. I know uh, West Coast time, it is earlier than it is here in New York. So are, are you a morning person or just when you have to do something, you do something? Yeah, I'm not. I was actually contemplating, should I just stay up, you know? And then... Uh, yeah, I got myself in a little bit of uh, trouble last night, which was nice, but then it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, yeah, I fell asleep a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> I'll probably well, go back to bed. I'll probably go back to bed after this. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you. We won't keep you too long. We meaning me, myself and I here. <laughs> and I'll, I'll no, I'm stoked, I'm stoked to be on the show, man. Thanks so much. I've seen your list of uh, people you've had on before. And I'm just like, wow, this is, you know. Just Great. too kind. That's all I got to say to that. And before I, I steer this into classic rock territory, what is the band up to at this very moment? And if, you know, you ask 10 different musicians that you'll get 10 different answers as to what they're up to in the midst of COVID-19. 
Oh gosh. Yeah, no, we've been, uh, we've been recording like crazy. We just really used it as an excuse since we're not going to be on the road. You know, we usually spend most of the year on the road. Um, so we took the opportunity to really just get creative. So we recorded like four videos that were in the uh, midst of uh, putting out one after the other right now. I think we just, we just released the uh, second video for this album uh, that was at the beginning of this month. And now uh, we've got another one coming out in two weeks. So that'll be three out. And then we have one more coming up before the album drops in the end of March. Mm-hmm. And we've already got a, a whole album's worth of material that we just went and uh, recorded with uh, Matt Good, uh, an incredible producer out in uh, Tempe. But uh, yeah, as soon as, as soon as this album dies down, we've got more stuff coming at you. So I can't wait to start making videos for that. So we're just, we're just getting creative. And as soon as they open the, the, uh, the gates up, you know, we've got a few tours on, Everybody, everybody just keeps pushing it back a little farther, but it looks like people are starting to warm up to at least by fall, we should be up and running for sure. You know, so that's that's what we're hoping for. Midsummer, fall, we'll be back out on the road. Sure. A funny thing about Matt Good is that he shares the same name as a Canadian artist, Matthew Good, who had a couple albums on Atlantic, who's huge if you're Canadian, and then here it wasn't a big deal. Did that ever come up in conversation? Is this Matt Good or Matthew Good? Right. No. Yeah. The Canadian. Actually, a few people have asked. I don't think I actually asked Matt himself. In fact, the last time somebody asked me, I said, is he Canadian? And then, uh, no, I think he this this Matt Good was born in Florida. Yeah. You know, Florida but, um, would be the anti-Canada. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> Who's anti-Canada? No one is anti-Canada. <laughs> that's the that's the reason why. You just have to love Canada. But hey, let's steer back to the compliments in you. Don't mess with Canada, man. They'll come and kick our asses. In fact, there was something in the in the history books, right? The Canada beat us in something, right? There was uh, curling at the Olympics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bob Rock. They beat us in Bob Rock discography. Uh, no, it, it's actually an interesting thing with, with hard rock. <laughs> How many of the key players in the history of hard rock are or were Canadian. Because if you look at all the albums done by Bruce Fairbairn, uh, Fairbairn I can't talk today, Fairbairn, Fairbairn, however you want to say it, Bob Rock, Mike Frazier, that's like all the great Bon Jovi, ACDC, and Metallica records right there. Yeah, well, you got that. Yeah, so there's there's some greatness that comes from that place. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. one we of had, the things that... We had a, I had I had a Canadian in the band for a while, Colin Reed, sweetest guy, just like everybody I meet from Canada is just is super sweet, you know? Yeah, I, I've Good yet to dispel that one. And so speaking of sweet, sweet people like yourself here, something that intrigues me about your band is although you have a totally modern rock heavy sound, you personally have been embraced by all these classic rock guys. All these yeah. older guys seem to have taken you under their wing. Who yeah. was the first one to do that? Was it Steven Adler? Um, gosh, I think the 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 biggest one out of the gate. Well, there, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's nothing short of a miracle. Like you know, growing up listening to Guns and Roses and all of those bands in your bedroom and air guitaring, like all of that stuff, just freaking out that it was that great. And then to later on actually play with those people was, you know, I kept having to pinch myself. And sometimes it's like I come across the pictures or you know, think about the stories and whatever. And I'm just like, damn, that really happened, you know? Or I'll be sitting at a party and it's like, I just skip saying something because you almost know that people aren't going to believe you when you start telling them <laughs> that are really true. People are just, you know, they're going to be, I don't know. Um, but I think the first real brush with real uh, fame or whatever, I remember being a, a 
kid and listening to the uh, Quiet Riot record, Come On, Feel the Noise. I think I woke up one morning and my brother was just blaring that out of his bedroom and he'd just gotten uh, the LP. And I was like, that sounds insane, you know? And uh, my band Aces and Eights was playing at uh, the Key Club here in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. And Frankie Benali came out and there had been some talk that he might be coming to see me. And uh, it was his first attempt to kind of recreate Quiet Riot was with me um, after uh, after Kevin had passed. So um, that was a total honor and it, it didn't have, end up working out. But man, that was uh, that was like, um, you know, that was the first time I really got in the ring with with somebody that was uh, of that stature. Sure. Yeah. So there's those Quiet Riot ties in a way, the Guns N' Roses ties in a way. And of course, Motorhead playing in a, a, a big role in the band because Phil Campbell is on your latest single, same management as Motorhead. Are there any ties to Van Halen besides being a fan? Jeez, you know, not indirectly, maybe, but yeah, not not so much. I, I never really came in contact with them. It's funny you brought up Lemmy because I guess that should have actually been my first brush with super famous people. But it's funny I don't even I don't even chalk that one up. It's like it it was it was it was more of a roadie situation and and a, um, an experience. But yeah, it did lead to actually the you know Lemmy was the one that kicked down a lot of the doors to to get me into my professional career and and really put a, you know give give Butterside its name and get it out there and and, and uh, but uh, but yeah Van Halen man no I think it's just like. And maybe, maybe that's good because, you know, I ended up meeting Axl Rose and he laughed at my tattoo and he, you know, he just totally broke me down when he was one of my heroes. And I never, I never got to meet David Lee Roth or Eddie Van Halen. Maybe that's a good thing because uh, <laughs> 1984 was the first LP I ever bought, you know, and I bought it literally because of that, that kid with the cigarettes on the, <laughs> on the album. It was really just the artwork I was totally compelled to because my sister had this huge record collection and she had all of the heavy metal records. She had Highway to Hell. She had just all of these rock and roll records, uh, the Rolling Stones, everything like that. And I was always really fascinated with those album covers. And then with that, when that Van Halen one came out and uh, swung by the record store, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy a record. I got to buy this record. And then going home and putting that on and hearing David Lee Roth and those guys just go. It was just, I think I literally put the speakers facing outward. Mm -hmm. Just the whole, the whole neighborhood would know that like I'm cooler than they are, you know? <laughs> well with the whole Lemmy connection and all that there was that old stereotype of when you go to the rainbow you'll see Lemmy and you go yeah all right and then the first time I ever went to the uh, rainbow there is Lemmy playing the trivia game in the corner at the bar yeah and it seems like everyone who's affiliated with hard rock in LA had the Lemmy connection of some sort David Lee Roth went to their gig and or offered to manage them or gave them career advice at two in the morning. There's certain things that you just seem to hear over and over and over again. But so I'm sorry that Roth wasn't on your list. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, you know, uh, yeah, but he was just so influential, man. Right. I mean, just such a, I mean, who didn't want to be or who wouldn't have wanted to be David Lee Roth, you know? Still do. <laughs> I mean, he's just the king. He's the lion. He's the, he's just that, just the icon, you know, just such an icon, you know, I know uh, Michael Starr, my good friend is just like, he, he just not, I mean, yeah. In the, in the, in the, in the most, the biggest compliment, you know, he just stole so much from, from uh, David and, and, and Michael Starr is one of the best front men I've ever known, you know, but David Lee Roth, definitely probably the number one front man of all time. Right. 
I agree. Some people say Freddie Mercury, and I say David Lee Roth because he was entertaining in interviews, which Freddie, you could argue, maybe wasn't because he was very guarded with keeping his personal life up. In other words, mm-hmm. Roth is entertaining on stage, on record, and then the interviews themselves are almost like a form of artwork. Yeah. I mean, I'll agree with you. Freddie Mercury is my number one, you know, ride or die. That guy's the most influential singer of all time. But when it comes to a front man, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't think David even cared about the singing. You know what I mean? To be <laughs> honest, like, he just was the life of the party and you couldn't get the mic away from him. And I'm sure that that's, that's how it all went down, you know? And you, I know all the stories, you hear all the stories about these guys growing up around here and everything like that. But it's just like, he just had that energy, you know what I mean? That charisma. So awesome. Outrocast. <laughs>